the term goals, and this is an interesting one as well, because in my work with Franklin Covey, I, I worked for a long time in the four disciplines of execution, which is all about setting up goals. I mean, that is, it, it is the goal setting for organizations. It's the preeminent goal setting framework for organizations. And what I learned about goals and teach everyone is there's always a win or a loss at a goal. And a lot of times people will use goals for their daily activities when they should be using streaks. And so what happens, they set up these great, big, bold, beautiful daily goals that look impressive and sound impressive, but you're going to lose at that goal. And to you and I, you and I were talking about this, you talk about win rates. Well, if I'm already setting myself up to lose every day, I'm just programming myself to get used to that. And it's the wrong tool. The goal is just the wrong tool for that. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Jeffrey Downs. Jeffrey is a managing director at Franklin Covey and co-author of a very interesting and practical new book titled Streaking, a simple practice of conscious, consistent actions that create life-changing results. And as we get into today's conversation, streaking is, as Jeffrey and his wife and co-author Jamie write, quote, the way to deliberately and regularly do the things that will lead you to become the person you truly want to be, unquote. So as we dive into this, a streak is like a winning streak, an unbroken string of simple accomplishments. And the difference and the power of the streak is that in keeping it going and the impact that keeping it going has on you. I mean, it could be something personal. It could be something work-related. Because we are what we do consistently. And when you start a streak, let's say number of days in a row that you do a certain thing, and you maintain a streak of actions, you're actually doing something that's changing you and helping you become the person you want to be in the process. So Jeffrey shares just how simple it is to start and maintain a streak. And we dig into some of the meaningful streaks he and his wife Jamie have started and the impact those have had on their lives. But before we get to Jeffrey, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for that. Let's jump into it with Jeffrey. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it, Andy. How have you been? I've been, I've been well, other than having COVID, I've been okay. <laughs> oh, you had COVID. Was that recently that you had COVID? Uh, yeah, it was recently. Yeah, it was, my wife and I both got it about the same time, probably because we got it, at the, we caught it at the same time, being stuck at... A terminal, terminal five at JFK Airport for ten hours. Uh, oh a few boy! Weeks. Yeah, surrounded by thousands, thousands of people that were not masked, of course. Um, yeah, despite our best efforts, you know, I think this, <laughs> these latest variants are going to get us all at some point. And at some point, yeah. So fortunately, um, relatively mild symptoms. Uh, you know, for me, the thing that was <laughs> was. I didn't, respiratory was, I'd never, yeah, got a little congested chest, but not bad, a little sore throat. No, the thing that, that for me was this thing they've written about, which I had no idea what they're talking about until I got it, which was this brain fog. They talk about COVID brain fog. And that was a very real thing. And that part was a little, little scary thinking, okay, is this going to go away? Um, because it just, cloud your ability to think 
not to think per se, but uh, to think intensively, right? Hard thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wore me out. And, well, and as a thought leader, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's critical that you be able to think. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 um, it was hard for a couple of weeks. I mean, I was you know, yeah. pushing back interviews and stuff because I, like, I was trying to prepare for them. I was trying to think, gosh, can I even engage in a, in a lucid conversation with somebody? And yeah, eventually... About a week or so ago, I finally woke up one day. I think it was a week ago, weekend, uh, a week ago today, actually. And woke up and looked in the mirror and thought, oh, okay, I'm back. It's <laughs> just looking in the mirror and looking at my eyes. <laughs> there I am. <laughs> there I am. There I am. But it was, yeah, it was about two weeks or so. It was really. Wow. Yeah. The fog was in. So, um, yeah, other than that, just sort of ongoing fatigue and, yeah, I exercise quite a bit. It's, yeah. I've had to be very patient getting back into it um so i'm glad that you're back and in and moving forward i think that uh you know coming back out of covid like you said for me it was i still don't taste things the same way that i did before covid it's really it's really different i remember trying a hard-boiled egg for the first time after COVID when my taste mm-hmm. came back. And it yeah. tasted like just this... I, I Honestly, I spit it out because I was like, this does not taste like an egg. It tastes like something metallic. <laughs> and I didn't even know what to do with it. And since that time, I've, I've barely been able to eat some some foods simply for the reason that it tastes so different. Yeah. Well, that wasn't as bad for me because uh, I lost my sense of smell about 15 years ago. Oh, did you like, really? Yeah. Some other weird virus. Doctors have no idea, but I lost most of it. And so I could sort of tell I really that it went completely gone during COVID because uh, I don't want you. Yeah, I, like when I'm bicycling or running, I'm carrying a water bottle. I maybe have some you know, powder in it for you know, electrolytes and so on. And I always clean my water bottles with white vinegar so that uh-huh. they get, so they don't get moldy. And so... In the past, before COVID, you know, I'd put a little, just a little bit of white vinegar in my, my water bottles and shake it and, and, you know, clean it out a little bit. And I could stick my nose in it and, you know, my head would recoil, even though I couldn't necessarily don't have a great sense of smell. But at least vinegar is so penetrating. You know, I yeah. really could smell <laughs> no, absolutely nothing during COVID. I could stick my nose into a bottle of white vinegar and nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. There was just nothing. Nothing, no smell whatsoever. Nothing. So it's yeah. that part's coming back bit by bit, but it's uh, yeah. yeah. I always consider my lack of a sense of smell, which obviously affects my taste as well. Um, it's sort of like a superpower because you know I live yeah. part part of my time in New York City, and during the summer, Manhattan can have certain smells. Oh, I and, absolutely can, and I don't smell them at all. <laughs> so it, <laughs> that's great. So anyway. That's great. Um, all right. So tell tell folks about you and what you do. So I am um, an author, wrote a book, Streaking, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. I've been a sales professional for um, since I I mean since I started selling newspapers, um, and have always been interested in improving sales. It's one of the reasons, Andy, that you and I have gotten together, and I I enjoy your show is because it's always about what I can do to improve myself. You and I were just talking about this, not only mm-hmm. as a sales professional, but also as a human being as right. I as I talk with people. And and I've done that. And today I'm a sales leader 
And then um, also really into and understanding how I can use consecutive consistency is the way I put it in order mm-hmm. to really get skills, capabilities, mindsets, tool sets in place in my life to become an even better sales professional. Got it. And so you lead sales organization for Franklin Covey, right? That's correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. What What do you sell? So we... Uh, so Franklin Covey basically is in the behavior change business. So the most mm-hmm. trusted company in the world. And we are all about selling leadership development capability for emerging leaders and also for senior leaders. Right. Yeah. Cause we've had a lot of your colleagues on the show. It just had Jennifer <laughs> yes. Kimo on it. Uh, Scott Miller has been on several times. He's going to be coming back on again. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, one thing that I like, but, but the organization is that emphasis you guys put on on well, almost like being academic some degrees is your senior people publish they you know they create yeah. content they which you don't mm-hmm. see often and i think it's it's great i mean i always enjoy having when you publish you <laughs> and your team publishes quite a bit so uh always enjoy there, having people on the show that is true yeah we we uh one of the things you know it's interesting because early on bob whitman who's our ceo he he was all about having a lot of people be able to publish content that was relevant and salient to those who could consume that he didn't want to have just a guru because you have a guru and the company goes down with the guru. And Stephen Stephen Covey was fantastic. I mean, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, just absolutely awesome, right? And and what, what we wanted to do though and continue to do is develop it into a thought content company that really does have an impact on individuals and organizations at scale. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, I'm a big fan of Stephen M. R. Covey and uh-huh. speed of trust is to me his book. Everybody should be reading, um, to understand that trust is not some ephemeral thing, but actually is you know, quantifiable and right. how it facilitates business and yeah, his latest book. Trust to Inspire. I just thought it was another excellent, excellent book. He was just on, I don't know, three, four months ago to, on this show to talk about that. Another one I highly recommend for people is because it's so relevant to what we see today that I think we're, uh, you know, talking about this gap is I think technology sort of encourages people to default to more of a command and control yeah. way of acting because, hey, I've got the mm-hmm. data. And yep. Data doesn't lie. Uh, but yeah, data absent context, unfortunately, the way it's used most of the time and talks about, you know, the building this trust and inspire model, which I'm sure you've read the book. Um, yep. yeah, yeah. I always enjoy talking to him. You know, a neat, neat little thing before the book was published, just when, it, when the galley copy was out, he, uh, he and I were talking about it and we were talking about just where, where he went from, uh, the speed of trust to trust and inspire Mm-hmm. And as he told the story about what moved him from speed of trust to trust and inspire was this whole idea that people, individuals were able to get 13 behaviors of trust, understand that five waves of credibility, uh, you know, all or the five waves of trust, the four cores of credibility. And then he talked about, but how do we instill that in leaders so that they then are using it, not, not resulting to this command and control, but to an inspiration, which honestly I look at, it coincides so great with what you have as far as in sell without selling out. It's, Mm 
all about using those skills in a human way in mm-hmm. order to promote both people going forward. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, and I think Steve and I talked about something that was on is, is I think too many managers these days operate from this position of fear, right? We, I, we see this yes. in, in the tech world quite a bit is, is because it's, everything's being reduced to a metric is mm-hmm. there when things aren't really going well, it's hard for managers to have the courage to say, look, we need to change direction because yeah. they're afraid the metrics are going to look different. And yeah, one sales leader I was talking to on the, sh- the show, actually, before we started recording, he said, he said, yeah, we'd love to change things. But the problem is it's like trying to change or trying to fix the wings on an airplane while it's in flight. And no one, <laughs> wants, no one wants to land the plane for an hour to fix them and then take off again. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they feel they're going to fall behind, and we've we've gotten into this this you know, conundrum we're facing. It's like, well, something needs to stop at some point, and maybe the only way it stops is when it comes to a screeching halt because it just stops working. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, when you have leaders who are so afraid to make changes out of fear, well, that filters down to their people. Is I can't really devote the time to develop you individually because we just have to hit our numbers. Yeah. And yeah, it's the results of that in terms of burnout and people shifting jobs. You know, it's I saw the statistic. Some study done just a week ago is like in sales in sales profession. By the time you're, I think the age was forty eight, you'll have had twelve different jobs. Yeah, I could see that absolutely, and believe it a hundred percent. Especially yeah. now with some of the diff- some of the different you know the great resignation that happened, yep. and yep. people moving jobs and looking for an opportunity that maybe they thought they didn't have but now could go after. I mean, all of that. Yeah, but it raises the issue is when you have that. Is I've got nothing against. <laughs> I was part of the generation that that pioneered that <laughs> that two years and move type uh, resume. <laughs> right. I, mean, I remember early in my career, people were like. Uh, you haven't really been this place very long. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah, a brave new world out there, right? And you know, my dad was 36 years with one company and he was completely flummoxed by the idea that you know, you'd get recruited to another company after two years and so on. But you have to be careful because at some point you have to stay and learn something. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe that the downside of shifting too frequently is you don't run through enough cycles where you are to learn what you need to learn to keep progressing. Yeah, I agree. I could see that because as, as I've worked with and led individuals that have, let's just call it company hopped and have Mm -hmm. been from one deal to the next deal to the next deal. It's in each one, there comes a point where, so you go to the next company, you've got to start over to some degree. Now you may not lose the skills that you've had or that what's made you, a good communicator or where mm-hmm. you're at. However, there's an opportunity cost because you now have to learn whatever that new company is, that new company culture, all of the different right. things in that company. And that takes a period of time. It takes six, eight months sometimes, hopefully not as long, but yeah, well, I think face that. Yeah. Well, I think especially if you're dealing in sort of complex sales environment is, uh-huh. I think you have to go through a couple business cycles, yeah, at least two years to, to really learn, right? I yeah. mean, if you've got something you're selling, it's got a six to eight, nine month uh, 
sales cycle, if not longer, and you've got to see the customers through the implementation to really learn how they gain value for you. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking with Paul Walker, who's our CEO now, and he and I were having a conversation about what there's a few of our sales representatives that have made a leap in a particular, so they were seemed like floundering for one or two years. And then all of a mm -hmm. sudden their numbers took a huge jump. Sure. And he asked me, he said, what, what do you think it is? How, how come? And I think it's this right here that we're talking about. They, they finally got to the place where it's past just contacting someone to actually being competent with a solution that the individual that they could now communicate because they've been around long enough to be able to communicate the solution. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is, a, this is an issue that I, I get on my soapbox about quite a bit, which is this whole idea that again, this is not purely a tech issue. You see it more often in tech is that, Oh, we're going to onboard you in you know, 12 weeks. You're quote unquote full productivity or three months. You're, you know, full productivity. I guess that's 12 weeks. <laughs> full productivity. <laughs> Either one. We'll take 12 weeks or three months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Friday. And, um, yeah, that's such a, a fallacy, right? Is, yeah. is, I know I, I make a fair number of sports analogies in this, the show. Mostly soccer oriented, but um, I was going to say usually there's soccer, Andy. That's that's where we're going. <laughs> Is that you know if you somebody you bring somebody new onto a team, you know, in the Premier League in England, they you know come out of the youth ranks and they prone them up to the first team, and they know that every individual adapts to that environment at different rates, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't throw people away after a year or so just because they haven't adapted yet yeah right and right. and you know my team favorite team liverpool yeah they on transfer a few years ago brought on this midfielder fabinho's and they paid a lot of money for him and he was coming i think from the french league the, the style plays very different in the french league and the premier league and pace of play is different so on and so forth everybody's very disappointed because you know he just hadn't adapted to the Premier League after six, I don't know, six months. And and Jurgen Klopp, the manager of Liverpool, said, just be patient, be patient. And he knew, right? This guy's now yeah. Yeah, megastar for Liverpool. It, it took him like a year to adopt, adapt, excuse me. Yeah. And this is the yeah. way with people we bring into sales, especially younger people, is, is it takes a while. It takes different rates. And this idea that we seems to be the sort of overweening idea is like, Oh my gosh, we're bringing into our onboarding program and with full productivity or yeah, pressure's really on. You may be out and you may yeah. be having a person that give them a year and they'd be fantastic. Uh, yeah. You know, we've lost this whole sense of this idea that selling is an apprenticeship and you know, I think we've, we've really done ourselves a disservice, done our sellers a disservice by saying, let's give them some time. Let's let's individualize this person's path forward. Mm -hmm. And because it's not like you know, every environment where like one person's managing 100 people directly reports. It's, you know, it's always smaller teams. Let's give the managers the incentive to invest and develop their, their individuals. Yeah. As we have, uh, as you know, in hiring sales representatives and bringing them on board, one of the metrics that 
I look at is not anything to do with their output. It has everything to do with their input in regards to what what's the what's the one thing you're doing to develop yourself right now in order to get mm. to the place where you can have outputs because when we bring them in and this is this is a, a lot of fun to bring in a new sales representative into the Franklin Covey world because <laughs> you've got all these Franklin Covey characteristics and attributes from all these different books that have been written right. and if we're not if we're not eating our own dog food we've got a problem right <laughs> so so when we bring them in, it's, it's not right away. What are your, what is your output? It's, are you having conversations and what are those conversations like? Let's Mm -hmm. talk about those. Mm -hmm. And then to the next step of, are those conversations leading to, and you and I talked about this, but leading to, okay, is there a need that they have from this conversation? Mm -hmm. And to get from just having the conversations to, is there a need that takes time because the sales professional is learning along the way what is the content that we have that we can offer this person i don't i don't even know what that is yet i have mm. some idea but what it, and and so as i start to learn this content now i can start to have educated conversations and see needs that may pop up that you know say hey andy i've noticed is this something that's a need of yours let's talk about that yeah, I now can ask intelligent questions, like what you say. I mean, I can I can actually ask an informed question and a follow up question. Right. Yeah, I I, I can't. I agree one hundred percent. It's just I see this playing out with with yeah people that just aren't given enough time, <laughs> and yeah. and I understand the pressures is you're trying to scale a company and and you want people to be you know fully productive, but yeah, we're disposing of people that that have a ton of potential and oh, absolutely just need time. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, we'll have a different conversation about that at some point. So I do want to talk about your book, though, because I really okay. enjoyed your book. Let's do that. Thank your you. Book, your book called Streaking, uh, The Simple Practice of Conscious, Consistent Actions that Create Life-Changing Results. And as, as you disclaim in the beginning of the book this is not about uh, what the fad of the 70s were who's to run around naked uh, <laughs> right. which uh yeah was sort of, i think was sort of my era in college um but it's it's about this consistency right it's, and yeah. so um let's talk about that so what's sort of the yeah. philosophy behind this as you know, as we've been talking just about what sales professionals are facing and what's what's happening, one thing that I've noticed in my sales career is that there are individuals who are always producing at the top. They're always at the top of mm-hmm. whatever sales force they're in. They, for whatever reason, are always able to put the output. And so I was very intrigued. I've been very intrigued by what is it that, where is it that they get to? Mm-hmm. Or how is it that they get there? And what I found is that they have a muscle that they've developed over time that is a one that is ignored by most people. And I call it the consecutive muscle. Mm-hmm. It's they've decided that every day they're going to do personal development in order to be the best salesperson they can be. And it's hidden. It's hidden behind their numbers. You don't right. really see it. Unless you look 
behind their numbers. And what, what you now see is a sales professional, so this is where streaking starts to come in, that is at the top of their game is always concerned about the inputs in their personal development mm-hmm. and what what they're doing. Now, that was kind of, I've seen that more clearly now where we first started to come up with this whole streaking method, methodology was in physical exercise. And that's honestly where people usually start with streaking is in physical right. exercise. Yeah, well, you, you give a great story about you and your wife, who is your co-author yeah. of the book. Yeah. Uh, yep. Make sure, give Jamie credit. Is um, yeah, talk about the story about well, <laughs> just your daily walk or the walk slash run, yes. I guess. But yeah, but it's it's a great example because it's it's and I've I've been inspired by this. My my phone, I've started our our streak on our daily walk, but it's 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 just so simple. And that, yeah. we'll get to that because, you know, there's one of the elements of setting, setting sort of what your streak should be. But tell people what you guys do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Jamie and I have always been physical fitness. Running has been the thing that has always been our passion and what mm-hmm. we do in order to stay healthy and fit. As we were going along in our healthy and fit journey, um, we started to recognize, well, we, what happened is we started to sign up for races and not go to them. And it was the weirdest thing because we were trying to motivate ourselves to keep training. And so they became charitable donations. Yes. (laughs) And we finally realized this wasn't working. And Jamie one day was at the, getting her hair done. And she was reading an article about a couple that was streak running for 15 years. And immediately she thought, what is this world coming to? And so she clicked on the story because she she had to know what was happening Mm -hmm. here. And it found that the Shumways... Uh, had been running at least one mile every day for 15 years. They called it streak running, you know, and there's an actual association, the United States Running Streak Association. Right. I I copied that URL down, right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it was quite fascinating. And so, Jamie, I was actually getting on the airplane to go to a consulting engagement. And I remember this phone call because she called and she said, hey, I've been reading this article. Do you want to start streaking with me? And I was like, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> and and so our streak run, we changed ours a little bit. And this and, and that's important because it led to some other discoveries. But we changed ours a little bit to run or walk at least one mile six days a week. And for mm-hmm. us, that was going to be our streak. So right. on March 23rd, 2015, we were actually in Mexico when we started this. We were on the beaches right. and we started our streak, walk, run. And we've now been doing that. So we're in our seventh year now and haven't missed a day. And so it's just been this constant thing. Well, you fast forward that a little bit, 300 days later, and uh, I was struggling with coming up with a way to take care of the teeth in my head because I had very bad periodontal disease and dentists, periodontists, they'll tell you, you need to do two things consecutively and that is brush your teeth and floss (laughs) i had no problem with brushing i wanted fresh breath but flossing i absolutely hated now this is where i'm going to take a little departure from where we were in the book for just a second because Mm -hmm. one of the things that i had done and you and i talked about this i had read charles duhigg the power of a habit i'd read i hadn't read james clear because he and i were actually studying the same uh the same subject if you will at the same time but we both, you know, we both had read because if you read in his book, Atomic Habits, you can see where he draws on 
Charles Duhigg and a couple mm-hmm. of the studies that are out there. But what, so what I had tried to do with flossing because I'd had two very expensive surgeries and I, I knew that I had to floss in order to keep my teeth. I did what all that good habit books tell you to do. You set up a cue, you have a craving, you set up a response and you have a reward and that's the habit cycle. So right. I did all those things. I, I, so my cue was I set the floss next to the sink. That mm-hmm. was my cue. I, craving, I got the mint flavored stuff and I thought, okay, that will give it at least a little bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, you know, my response was to actually put it in my mouth. And then the reward was that I didn't have to go back to the dentist and have this awful thing. Right. Yeah, it didn't work. I, I mean, I, I tried for years it felt, and, it, and it just didn't work. So 300 days into this streak of running or walking. You, couldn't, you weren't consistent in doing it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It, th- this, it, because one of the things with habits that I think is a, it, it, and it, I don't think, habits have perpetrated a great fraud on all of society. <laughs> and, and, and this is the great fraud that they've perpetrated. And it's this, that behaviors that you do repeatedly will become automatic and you won't have to think about them anymore. Right. And it's just not true. I mean, it, it is, it's absolutely false. Now, in the case of motor skills, which is where all of the habit books draw on, mm-hmm. is motor skills, walking, uh, mm-hmm. typing, breathing, uh, anything that has to do with a motor skill, even driving home from the grocery store, yes, that will reduce itself to the basal ganglia because it's not a higher brain function that we need to think about. How I right. type on the keyboard is not something that I need to be thinking about, but choosing to type, that's something different. Yeah, well, I think that that's one of the things that's, that's missing from a lot of uh, the literature about habit formation. All right, let's call it habit change. Because uh, I remember reading at one point, so I said, you know, we're, we're born with all the habits we, we're ever going to have. And yeah. we either, they're either, not to put judgment on, but they're either good habits or bad habits, right? <laughs> if there's something you want to do, chances are that you're not doing today, you're doing the inverse of it, Right. So right. you're changing habits. But anyway, but it's this idea that's missing is, is this idea of choice. Yeah. Is that you are consciously choosing all the time between what you're currently doing and what you want to do between A and B. Yes. Absolutely. And, and so like, yeah, I, I've sort of, when I think about habit change, I, I incorporate that in there because I think, yeah, you know what, there's a cue, there's a trigger, you've got your emotional response about what you're, how you're going to respond to it, but then you have to pause and acknowledge that I've got a choice to make. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is being intentional. Absolutely. Anyway, go ahead. And that's where, you know, with, with Charles as well as James Clear, they'll mix the two and say, mm-hmm. this will become automatic, but in actuality, it won't. And that, and so it gets frustrated. And what I found, and this is what happened to me, and I've found this with people as I've worked with them on streaking, is that you blame yourself. I just wasn't born with the habit gene. I can't make good automatic, these things won't be automatic for me. They're going to be automatic for everyone else. And that's, if you divorce choice out of it, that's what happens is you just start Uh to blame yourself saying it's not me. So I'm sitting there 300 days into the streak of running or walking at least a mile. And I'm looking in the mirror and asking myself a question because I just had a dental hygienist appointment. And 
my teeth were awful again. I wasn't flossing. I wasn't doing what I needed to do. And I was talking to myself and saying, what's your problem? <laughs> why, 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 why do you have this problem? What's going on? Right. And as I said that, I looked at myself in the mirror and saw myself in my workout clothes. And then I heard the dental hygienist voice say, you know, Jeff, flossing is a lot like exercising your gums. If you do it a couple of times a day, they'll stay healthy and strong. Right. And at that moment, I saw myself in my workout clothes and I thought, well, why don't I just set a streak to floss my teeth? Now, right. that was that was 2,308 days ago and I haven't missed, not since. And, and so all this... But then, yeah. just so you understand, you're tracking this, right? It's, it's the idea of streaking oh. is, is you, you record because, and we'll get to it, but the streak itself is its own form of reward. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. that's where, and so what, what I recognized at that moment is I, I thought, well, if you can streak physical activities, flossing, mm -hmm. there's so much more to this. How can we put it together in a framework that really helps each of us to become who we want to be? That's why I brought up sales is in sales, streaking is absolutely paramount in order to actualize or operationalize. For example, I look in in your book and sell without selling out. I There's so many things in here that I look at that I could set a streak and have that as my floor in mm -hmm. order to reach for who I really want to be. Yeah. I mean, speaking of James Clear, because I bring him up in the book about, you know, every action is a vote for the type, choice, for the type of person you wish to be. Um, yep. And I think that's, that's so true, right? Um, it is. And I, with this streaking is what I like the way you're, you lay it out is, is that, and we actually were talking about this a bit before we start recording, is this, you're able to see every day that you're winning, yeah. right? By, by recording it and seeing your numbers increment, you know, I've been doing this for 300 days in a row. I've been doing this for 400 days in a row, for 500 days in a row. You know, that, 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 that streak has value. You don't want to see it stop. Right. And so there's such inherent motivation in, in wanting to continue it because also in the process through the exercise or through, you know, flossing, you know, you're not seeing the periodontist anymore or, you know, as you and your wife, you know, you're, you're right. running you know, you're doing these things that, that you not only get the daily validation, but you also have the sort of bigger validation of you've changed in the process. Yeah. You know, uh, Ozan Verrill, um, he wrote How to or Think Like a Rocket Scientist. A great mm -hmm. book. And in there, there's this one quote where he talks about the difference between a ordinary and an extraordinary person is the focus on the inputs. And he says, what we learn is that when you focus on your inputs, intrinsic, what's happening inside, mm -hmm. that success becomes a consequence rather than the goal. Yes. So true. So true. I mean, <laughs> I just, and so what you outlined as far as so running marathons and uh, being able to run races, well, it's all about the daily streak, the input, not seeing the periodontist anymore. I mean, I, I haven't had to have any type of surgery or any type of major mouth thing since I started that streak of flossing at least two times daily. I mean, it's just, and there's several others that we could talk about, but there's probably a little bit we need to talk about in between there. 
Yeah. Well, so obviously you have multiple streaks going, but yeah, you, know, you talk in the book about not starting too many all at once. Um, right. But let's let's talk about you have the three elements of what you know makes us a streak, if you will. And right. <laughs> so one, the first one is just make your streak laughably laughably simple, meaning yeah. what the behavior that you've been trying to be consistent in is make it simple. So yeah. and I love the example with what you and Jamie have done is is because I know so many people say, Yeah, I want to start exercising, so I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna run three miles a day. Right. It's like well, why that? As you guys did, we're going to walk or run one mile a day. That's the streak, right? And I'm sure That's you, streak. you're running marathons, so you're obviously running more yeah. uh, from time to time. But at baseline, you're always going to do that one mile. So well said, because it is a baseline. We call it the floor. It, mm-hmm. It's interesting. We we were talking with uh, an Air Force cadet, and we were talking to him about streaking. And he said, well, it sounds like you're just lowering the bar. For everyone, because the first law of streaking is to make it laughably simple. He says, right. "Sounds like you're they're lowering the bar." He said, "If I just if I did that simple floor, I would not be able to pass my physical fitness test." And and at that moment, it hit me. I said, "Well, we're not talking about bars here. We're talking about floors. And if right. you don't have a floor to stand on, you're never going to be able to reach." that bar. And right. so many of us focus on, and this is the, the thing in sales that you and I were talking about. We're going to focus on this great big output. And that's the bar we want everyone to reach for without ever considering the floor they're standing on to get there. If you're standing on a cloud, you're just going to fall. You're not going to get to that bar. Right. And so the whole idea behind law number one is making it laughably simple is to put for yourself in place a floor that you'll never drop below. So for example, I'll give you a for instance, and this is actually where the first, the name of the first law came into being. I was, I was speaking to young professionals about streaking and I was telling about the, the first law. And at the time when we were doing this, it was just keep it simple. That's, that's all it right. was. And one of my streaks is to write at least one sentence daily for a book <laughs> article. Yes. It's see you laugh. (laughs) Right. At least one thing. (laughs) I think it's great. Yeah. And, and someone in the audience, it was actually a woman about four rows back on the left side. She started laughing and I said, that's exactly it. You want to make it laughably simple. And there's a reason why you want to make it laughably simple is because you are exercising a different muscle. It's the consecutive muscle. It's mm-hmm. the muscle that I'm going to choose to do this every single day. And there's going to be days where I'm tired. I am absolutely just famished. I emotionally spent. And so the one sentence is going to keep my consecutive muscle going. And when I keep that going, that's going to help propel me to greater heights when I'm ready. When the inspiration comes, I'm ready for it. Whereas when I haven't been doing it and the inspiration comes, I don't have anything to stand on. Yeah. Well, also, I think the other thing that, and this is, I think was the line Jamie wrote in the book, which was that for me, I, I really liked it. She said, you know, even on sick days, crazy days or days when all the forces in nature are combined against me and everything seems to be going wrong, I still win, yeah. right? Just by doing the one mile or writing the one sentence. And, you know, it's not about winning per se. It's, it's winning in the sense of, yeah, I accomplished something. And, yeah. you know, this is going to give me more confidence to go forward because 
Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've done this thing. Even though it's, it's small, I've done it. And big successes are built on the back of small successes. So <laughs> that uh, yeah, small consecutive victories, I think, is hugely important. Yeah. It has been massive. I, I mean, just massive for us. It's It's been something where these small, these laughably small actions that we do every day, this floor that we've set up, allows us to springboard into some really phenomenal things. Uh, and, and that's, so just relating it back to sales for a second. Um, I remember I was, so I was working with one of our great sales professionals, Craig Christensen. He's a fantastic sales professional. And he was mm-hmm. mentioning about, he didn't say it in this way, but this is how I heard it because I, you look at it through the streaking lens. He said he takes out a development flashcard every day and studies it for yep. just a second. And you know what? At that moment, I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. I, I didn't have necessarily that type of a streak in place, but I thought I'm going to review or make at least one sales development flashcard every day. Mm-hmm. And I started that streak 1,658 days ago. And it's changed my sales leadership and sales career because, again, to your point, I'm going in. So, for example, when I was reading your book, another one of my streaks is to read at least one paragraph in a nonfiction book every day. Right. And I, I, that's how I went through sell without selling out. I just would, I would start with a paragraph. And here's the interesting, this is how I tell a good book, Andy. If, if I stop with the paragraph and I'm not inspired to read on... <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's probably not a great book with yours. Right. Gratefully, I, I'd read it and then I'd read more and I'd read more and I'd read more. What's neat about it, though, is now that I have read at least a paragraph in a nonfiction book is I can go back and review and and internalize. And this is something that now I start to get good at and mm-hmm. I start to see, you know, where the four pillars are and how I can use them in my life and what I can do in in my sales in my interaction with my clients and things like that. Right. That's the beauty of it. It just sets up this beautiful floorboard. Yeah. Well, and I, I love, uh, I think it was Jamie in the book, because you guys, yeah, sort of identified yourselves a little bit going back and forth in the book and writing yeah. it, but it's that, and I think this is you know, sort of a great uh, cue, if you will, for for keeping it laughably simple. You said if the activity that you're identifying as your streak sounds impressive, then it's probably too hard. <laughs> that is right. She has those great pearls of wisdom in there. Yeah, I think that's not true. It's just, yeah, I talked before. It's, yeah, I want to set this goal. I want to run five miles a day. It's like, yeah, one, just make it one, right? It's something yeah. you'll, you'll end up doing the three and the five as you get into it, but just just do one. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like yeah. that because I think that's so important for people to take on new things and have all the best of intentions. And then are defeated because they feel like they're not living up to these goals they set for themselves. And the fact is, yeah. they seem minor. They're still too ambitious. Yeah. That, so the term goals, and this is an interesting one as well, because in my work with Franklin Covey, I, I worked for a long time in the four disciplines of execution, which mm-hmm. is all about setting up goals. I mean, that is it, it is the goal setting for organizations. It's the preeminent goal setting framework for organizations. And what I learned about goals and teach everyone is there's always a win or a loss at a goal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people will use goals for their daily activities when they should be using streaks. And so what happens, 
they set up these great, big, bold, beautiful daily goals that look impressive and sound impressive, but you're going to lose at that goal. And to you and I, you and I were talking about this, you talk about win rates. Well, if I'm already setting myself up to lose every day, I'm just programming Ooh. myself to get used to that. And it's the wrong tool. Yeah. The, the goal is just the wrong tool for that. Yeah. No, no, I wrote that down. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, to think about that. Yeah, incorporate more streaks. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so the other important part, we alluded to this before, is, is, as you say, if there's no record of the streak, it doesn't exist. So how are you right. tracking this? I mean, yeah. tell people, you yeah, know, what you use. I know you and Jamie use different things, but um, similar but different. So how do you, how do you yeah. keep track? So we had started out, so I, I, I started to keep track of it in an Excel spreadsheet and I would just mm-hmm. list my streaks down the side and then dates across the top and I'd start doing that. And then Jamie was, um, she was using just a, a reminder app that she was using to track her streaks. Mm-hmm. And we both recognized that neither one of these things were really that great. And so really serendipity took, it, took place and I met um, someone who is a developer and I told him about streaking. And he said to me, he says, I want to write the app for that. And I said, okay. And so, <laughs> and so now today, I keep track of all my streaks in the streaking app, S-T-R-E-A-K-I-N-G streaking app. And in there is, yeah, it's, it's where I keep track of everything. The great part about it is, so law number two is no record, no streak. Law number three is right. to join the streaking community. Right. Inside of the streaking app is the full community of streakers where they can now post socially on their streaks. It's one of the rules that we have in the app is that you post on a streak. And so you start to see all these great people and what they're doing to keep their laughably simple streak alive. Mm-hmm. It's it's really neat. Yeah, well, and as I said before, and you talk about this in the book, is, is you're... you're tracking it not just to confirm that you've done it but it it becomes an affirmation that you are doing it right, right. that's different right confirming versus right. affirming um yeah. and so you, know, you continue to sort of build this confidence in yourself that yeah i can maintain and that really is I, I value yeah. that i want to maintain it. right that's that's and and what you bring up is the critical part of the keeping the record the record is the record of your own credibility you right. know, there's there's several papers and books that are written on to keep promises to yourself is the way that you build confidence and the way that you uh, affirm, you know, have self-worth is you keep promises to yourself. Right. When we're setting goals, so back to goals for just a second, that are impossible to make on a daily basis, we erode our own credibility. But when you have right. a streak... And the streak is something that's laughably simple. I'm going to write at least one sentence daily. That then, and I do that. Now I start to get credible. Now a lot of times people will say, "Well, that's so simple. You know, is it really making any difference?" And the answer is no. If done once, but done a hundred times, three hundred times, seven hundred mm-hmm. times, a thousand times in a row, guess what? It carves the Grand Canyon. You've got yeah. this wonderful, fantastic lifeblood of a streak that's in there, and your your credibility and your confidence just goes off the charts. Yeah, and then practice like a book, 
for instance, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> now you know how the streaking book was written. <laughs> well, I presume that's the case, right? Is, is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't formalize the streak, but I'm going to, inspired by the book. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've posted on LinkedIn almost every day for a long time. Um, and, but yeah, I haven't tracked it, right? I'm going to start right. tracking it. I mean, it's, yeah. And yeah, out of that comes ideas and books and conversations and business and all sorts of things. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just, I think this idea of recording in general is not emphasized enough. And not just streaks, but everything, right? I mean, yeah. I think that if you're in sales and you're starting your sales career, I'd be recording everything. Wins, losses, quota attainment, every every aspect of what I accomplish, uh, I'd be recording somewhere. Because I think yeah. to your point is, is you you have this opportunity now to generate credibility going forward. And we know one of the big misses in sales is, is hiring, right? It's so difficult. But difficult in part because there's so much guesswork involved with it. Yes. And you're never going to eliminate the guesswork. But... If you had a candidate who came in and said, look, here's my career in detail. This is what I've done, right? These are deals I worked on, win, loss, you know, everything. That'd be way different than sort of having to parse through somebody's resume where they sort of reluctantly give you answers. Yeah. Interestingly, the last, um, so I recently promoted it to a leadership position. In my resume, I listed my streaks. And I said, here's the professional streaks that I have. And then here's the results of, from those professional streaks. And it's, it's the first time where they came and said, these are all the inputs, didn't necessarily use that language, but these are the inputs that you're doing in order to get these results. And I said, that's exactly right. And I've been doing them for, and I could tell them exactly how many days, the inputs that I've had there, what it's led to, why I have that input, how it's helped mm -hmm. me. And that record, because I agree with you, the record is the lifeblood of not only the streak, but of so many other things. In fact, a lot of people will start a next streak. So usually it starts with a physical streak. And then we have a lot of streakers that will start with write at least one sentence in my journal every right. day. Because right. they want to get to that record part. You know, what did I do today? What were the wins? What were the losses? What were the things I needed to get done? You know, there's one person... I want to introduce you to him. His name is Chris Dancy. Mm -hmm. um, and do you know him? Have you, have you met him or what? heard of him before? Okay. He, he is, um, they, they basically call him the most connected man in the world. Now, not connected in regards of networking people, but right. connected via technology. And he measures every part of and records every part of his life. And he's, he's into this big data and so mm -hmm. what he's doing is if he wants to change some part of his life, he looks at the data that has led to where he is right now and sees where the nuances are and then mm -hmm. decides, okay, I need to change that particular part of my life in order to lose weight, in order to have better relationships. Mm -hmm. I've noticed when I go to bed at this time, I don't have as good an outlook on life the next day when I go to bed at this time, I do. And he has all of that data recorded because right. he can make great decisions from it. That's in sales. 
we need to have that record. We need to have it for ourselves personally to be able to know, yep. you know, when I interacted in the in this way with the customer, I didn't do as well as when I interacted this way. Exactly. Yeah, I think, and I've written about this recently, is, and technology enables it to do this more simply, is, yeah, when you're experimenting, which we should be experimenting constantly, does it work or not work? And if it yeah. works, yeah, record it and be formal about it. So you have this record. I always talk about this idea of people, you want to write your own sales book, right? What works yes. for me? Yeah. And the way you do that is you, you track this stuff and you record it. And I think for people listening, is you think about this is, is, yeah, tracking your streaks and and your experiments and, and the little things you've tried. Yeah, if you don't record it, you'll never remember. If you record fun, it, then you... Yeah, fun you story for you. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so uh, one of our streakers, he, he, I was talking with him and he um, said he wanted to try. He said, I looked at what developers were making, computer developers, computer scientists, coders, things like that were making. And he said, I'm interested. I want to do that. Now, he had no coding experience, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. So he decided to set a streak to, to review at least one code uh, item daily. And so he right. started this streak. And as he started this streak and he started to learn how to code and do things, he was probably about, he said he was about 80 days in and mm -hmm. he looked at himself and he recognized that he did not want to code. He, he looked at his life and said, all I'm going to be is in front of a computer for X number of years. I don't right. care how much they make. This is not the life that I want. Right. So the record and the streak together, he made it laughably simple. It, yeah. I remember now it was, it was open the coding app at least one time daily. That's how laughably yeah. simple his streak was. Yeah. And he learned a lot about it and he learned enough to know that's not what I want to do and therefore was able to retire that streak and go on to some other different streaks yeah. that really oh, no. interested him. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's an important part. And then you talk about this in the book is that you, know, you start a streak with no end date in mind. Right. Right. Doesn't mean there won't be an end date though. Right. right. In his case, this, I learned because yeah, I thought this is who I wanted to be. I tried it not, but yeah. I tried it consistently. I just didn't dabble. I, I had the streak going. Yeah. I think it's yep. really, really powerful. Um, yeah. so yeah. So yeah, we're unfortunately we're running out of time, but so tell, tell folks how they can learn more about the book and get in contact with you. You bet. So download the streaking app at the Apple uh, at Apple App Store or Google Play. That's that's one of the great ways to find out about streaking. The book is available at Amazon or Barnes and Noble or anywhere uh, that books are sold. You also have um, we do a, a weekly. My wife and I do a weekly streaking podcast where we interview um, and talk to great people as well as just give insights and understanding around streaking. Uh, and then there's also the streakingmastery.com website where you can learn a lot more. Perfect. All right. Well, I, yeah, I recommend the book. recommend people check it out. I think it's said, very clever and powerful. And, well, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be trying it. So, All right. Um, I love it. Yeah, well, my wife and I started with our, our walks. So we started there. That's usually where it starts, right there. Absolutely. Well, it's easy. And we walk. Most every day anyway, but yeah, yeah no, nah, we got the streak to, to get going and we sort of combine it as we walk and then I do my minimum run at the end of it. So um, anyway, so yeah, 
So, <laughs> Jeffrey, thanks for joining me. Uh, I'm just excited about it. But um, yeah, look forward to talking again soon. Yeah, thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Really enjoy, uh, really enjoy your book, and and enjoy honestly talking with you. There's so many great, such great thought leadership that you have, and I, I'm glad that you do this, and I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, and give my yeah. best to Jamie. Too. I will absolutely. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show, and I want to thank my guest today, Jeffrey Downs, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for that, and thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>